invite you to Romans chapter number 12, and we'll um, begin reading here in just a moment as we are continuing in our series on spiritual gifts. And we've dealt with a couple of things already in this series, and I don't know how much further how fur, how much further we'll go. I know we'll go further than tonight, but uh, I want to to make sure that you understand a couple of things that the church is different than any other organization in the world. There is nothing like the church. There'll be some things that you could say, well, I could see how this is similar and this is similar, but nothing. Is like the church. And therefore, these spiritual gifts are so important. I'm not going to read it again tonight. I've read it twice already in the other message, and I'll read it again going forward. But Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said that, brethren, I'd have you not ignorant of these things. There's some things you ought not be ignorant of. There's some things in life you'd probably be better off being ignorant of. Right? There are some things in life that it'd be better for you not to know. Y'all ever heard some stuff? You say, well, I'd been better off not knowing that. But knowing about spiritual gifts is one thing you don't need to be ignorant of. And uh, so this is very important. And I'll say this just by way of introduction before we read our text. It's important for you as an individual believer to understand that God's got a gift for you to use, not for you to go get popular and famous and all that kind of stuff, not for you to rake in a bunch of money, but for you to serve Him and edify the body of Christ and glorify himself. That's what the spiritual gift is for. It's for you individually to realize that just because you're not on the platform preaching does not mean you can't serve the Lord with your life. Matter of fact, everybody that's saved ought to be serving him. It's important for the church as a whole. We cannot operate as a church in natural talent. There's a lot of them doing it. A lot of them's got natural talent. I'm telling you, that's not what a church, a church is not going to operate solely on natural talent. Now, can you use your natural talents for the Lord? Sure you can, but you can't operate, uh, I'm talking about a right kind of church. I mean, a Holy Ghost, New Testament, Bible-believing church is going to have to be operated with spiritual gifts. This may, this may make you scratch your head, but it's important for the world. How's the world going to be one to Christ? And I don't mean that every single person in the world is ever going to be saved, but I'll tell you what, there's enough blood that was shed that the whole world could be saved. But how's those in the world going to hear the gospel? By us fulfilling our spiritual gifts, by us using our spiritual gifts, that's how we're going to win people to Christ. It's important to the world, but I'll tell you who it's important to as well. It's important to God. God is the one who gives these gifts. God's the one who makes opportunity for you to use these gifts. And God's the one who gives the power and the energy for you to do the work in that gift. And so I uh, just want to get, give you that. Romans chapter 12 tonight, I invite you to stand for the reading of just a few verses and we'll pray. We'll get started with tonight, and tonight we'll actually get into the list a little bit and kind of do an overview of the list here tonight, and then, Lord willing, we'll go further and dig into those later on in message. Look at verse number 6. The Bible says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Would you help us pray? Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to come to you in prayer tonight. 
God, another opportunity to say we love you and we thank God that you love us. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people that have showed up on a Wednesday night. Thank you for the rain that's on the outside. And I'm thankful you know uh, what, what, what kind of weather we need and all that kind of stuff. Father, thank you you know a whole lot more than we do about everything. And Father, I pray, God, you'd help us now as we try to preach your word and try to explain your word and try to bring uh, make sense of your word as they did in the book of Nehemiah. I pray, God, you'd help me preach this with unction and with, with anointing. And then I pray with clarity and conciseness. Father, I pray that you'd help us say everything we need to. Guard us from saying anything we don't need to. Get us out of the way, ourself out of the way. And God, help us, uh, God, make clear the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And a man. I heard, I read about a lady who well, was late in sending her Christmas cards out. And again, I think I've said something about that. I, 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 don't, I don't do that because I feel like I'm going to miss somebody. But this, this will be something I would do. I heard that this woman was late sending her Christmas cards out. And so time got away. So, so in a rush, she has hurriedly bought some and she signed them. And she sent 49 Christmas cards in the mail. And in a hurry, she didn't even read them before she sent them. And all of a sudden, on Christmas Day, she noticed an extra one that she did not send out. And so she took just a moment and she read the, what the actual card said. And this is what the card said. Just a little note to say, a special gift is on its way. She got to thinking, oh no, 49 of my friends and family are expecting a gift from me coming after Christmas. And uh, I thought that was kind of funny. It does sound like something I would do. But, you know, everybody likes to receive gifts. We preached a whole message in Christmas, at Christmas time about the gift of Christmas. And tonight we're looking more at these gifts that the Holy Spirit of God gives. And, and he gives every child of God. And I believe this. I've said it over and over. I'm going to say it over and over again. Every child of God, God gives at least one of these gifts. So if you are saved tonight, God has given you at least one of these gifts. And we're going to look at that uh, tonight. I believe this, that few Christians ever understand spiritual gifts, much less discover their own gifts and use them for God's work. And tonight, I'm going to look more in that. And that's the goal of this series, is for you to discover your gift to develop your gift, and then to deploy your gift in the work of the Lord. And so uh, I think this, one of the most important things you can do after being saved by the grace of God is discover your spiritual gift. And then once you discover it, develop that gift. And then when you discover it and develop, deploy that gift in the work of God. I believe this, nothing will ignite your passion for, for ministry and your joy in the Lord more than using the gift God has enabled you to use. I believe this, the longer I serve him, the sweeter it grows. I'm telling you, the more you get in the ministry and you do what God's called you to do and you do what God's equipped you to do, there'll be more passion, there'll be more joy, there'll be more, just there'll be just some more umph about what you're doing when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing for the glory of God. 
I believe this. When you serve in the area that God has gifted you in, that there is, there is, there is exceeding abundant joy in the Lord. There is just not, there is nothing like serving the Lord. I believe this, that, that, that it is one of the most rewarding and the most fulfilling experiences in the Christian life to do what God's called you to do. And it's really, it's almost unexplainable. There's just nothing like doing what God's called you to do. I want to say this, as I didn't I mention a whole lot about this, but when we say spiritual gifts, if you're thinking about what some would call these charismatic sensational gifts of uh, speaking in tongues or healing or drinking strychnine or, or some uh, snake handling or something like that, that is not what we're talking about here tonight. We dealt with that a little bit last time about those sign gifts, those sign gifts that God gave those apostles to, uh, to uh, as a sign to those unbelieving Jews uh, that they were preaching the word of God, that they were speaking the true word of God. But listen to me, we, we don't have to take a man's word for it. Uh, we don't have to watch a man shake a snake off from a fire to know if it's the word of God or not tonight. I don't have to take a bottle of strychnine tonight and, and drink it and see if I live, if I'm preaching the word of God tonight. I don't have to uh, uh, speak in some unknown uh, jibber-jabber language for you to see if I've got the Spirit of God on me tonight. You know how you can know if I'm preaching the Word of God tonight? Get your copy out and read it. Amen? Search the Scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. And so uh, and so we're not talking about those sign gifts that God did use in the early days of the church. We're talking about these service gifts and those speaking gifts we talked about last time. Now, those sign gifts have passed away. That which is perfect has come. We have the full revelation of God's word now. And so thank God we are not looking at those uh, gifts. But I will say this. I'm not against the word charismatic because charisma is something we need. Amen. But it's not the all there is to it. And so I believe this. I, I heard it said one time that if the Baptists, uh, if the Baptists would never have lost their charisma, they probably wouldn't be no charismatics. Amen. I, what, I, what I mean by that, what I've heard said by that, what I would mean by that is, I believe this church ought not be a boring place. It ought not be a place where it's like a funeral home. Amen. Uh, listen, it ought to be a place where there ought to be some charisma. There ought to be uh, some joy of the Lord. I mean, people say, you're just going to live as long as God's going to live. You ought to be happy about it. And if you're not happy about it, it's because you're lost tonight. Amen. And so you can get saved tonight. That'd be good for you to get the gift of the Spirit of God, which is salvation. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So here's what we're looking at tonight. We're looking at in this series these practical ministry-oriented serving gifts that are given to edify the body of Christ and to glorify God. And so I want to look uh, quickly in, in here at this list that is found in Romans chapter 12 tonight, and we're going to explain these gifts. But I want you to understand, before we get into these specific gifts here, that when you accepted Christ as your Savior, God gave you a gift, some type of gift, uh, by the Holy Spirit to serve Him in a unique way. God gives different people different gifts to be used in different ways for different results, all for the edification of the body of Christ. He enabled you to meet a specific need in the body of your local church family. You can mark this Bible verse down and go and look at it later, but 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 says, and As every man hath received the gift... Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
And you may not know what your gift is. And, and you may not feel particularly gifted in a specific area. But the Bible teaches you, and that's what I want to see throughout this series and tonight specifically, that God has given you a special gift for you to serve him with. And you need to discover it and develop it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you want to flip, hold your place in Romans 12, if you want to flip to 1 Corinthians 12, in verse number 18, we've read this verse several times, these verses several times, but it won't hurt it to do it again. But in verse number 18 of 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 18, Paul wrote this, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where or where were the body? Verse 20, But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of you, and uh, the, uh, or, uh, and, uh, and I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you, verse 22. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we, be, these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lack that there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another God is teaching us in this passage that he wants uh, to place you in the local church family as a member that you might be part of the body participating in God's work with your church doing the will of God in the work of God with the people of God and listen you are vital to the health and the strength of the rest of the body. We need each other. We got to have each other. Everybody can't do the same thing. And one person can't do it all. There's no way in the world a church is going to be healthy and a church is going to grow like it ought to with one or two or three or even ten people doing the load of the work. Everybody's got to do their part in the work of God to see a healthy, thriving church. And so, what, what should you do with your spiritual gift? Well, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, we've dealt with that already in, in our series prior to this, but he said this, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hand. He says, I want you to stir it up. I want you to be a good steward of it. Stir it up. Here's this. I want you to use it. Don't just let it sit stagnant. Don't just let it sit around and, and get moldy and crusty. Don't let it. Hey, you know what happens when water sits around, don't you? You get stagnant. What, what stagnant water attract? Skeeters. You know what skeeters do? They suck blood. You know where life is? In the blood. You know what? When you have spiritual gifts sitting around stagnant, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be light. It'll suck the life right out of a church. When you've got people, are you? and listen, it'll suck it out of your own individual life and it'll suck it out of this church. When you've got people with spiritual gifts letting it sit around stagnating and not using it for the glory of God, it's going to suck the life right out of you and the church. And so we don't want no skeeters around here. Amen. And so, uh, and so, uh, so here's the thing. Too often, too often we get into the spectator mode down at the church. Bible said, I, I've already quoted it once and said again, 1 Peter 4.10, as every man, and that particular word doesn't mean every male, that means every man, everybody, hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. 
Here's the thing. The great result of me using my gift that God has given me, you using the good gift God has given you, is that somebody's going to get helped by me using my gift. And when the entire church ministers to each other and ministers to the community, I tell you this, the gospel changes lives. And the church goes forward. And so the way the local church is supposed to work is the local church is supposed to work. The way the church is supposed to work is the church is supposed to work and working in the field that you're supposed to be working in. A lot of times we get to church and we attend the services. We listen to the songs. We hear the sermon and we go home. And those things are important. Those are vital. But I'll tell you what, the local church life ought to be engaged, an engaged life. It ought to be an immersive Experience. We ought to plunge our whole heart in participation, in growth, in fellowship, and in service with God's people. And I'll say this tonight on a Wednesday night, the cream of the crop. So I mean, listen, I appreciate you being here on Wednesday night, but I'm telling you as a church, as a whole, we need more participation. I'm telling you, there is not one of you in here tonight, not a single last one of you on a Wednesday night that, we, that you cannot be involved in something in the church. And I'm not taking away from you being in your pew tonight, but this ain't all there is. This is the bottom level. This is entry level. This is, this is starting point. And some need to rise above starting point and get on board. And so some might be doing that. You may sit on your pew because you don't know what to do. And so that's what this whole series is about. What can I do for the glory of God? And so I think about these early Christians when they start when the first century church, they, they were steadfast in the ministry. They let the ministry of what they were supposed to be doing take precedent in every part of their life. It wasn't just a side hobby. It wasn't just a, well, if I have time or, well, if I feel like it. I'm telling you, we treat God's work like a rummage sale. We do. We treat it, we treat it like the bag of Goodwill clothes you've had in your car for two months. We treat it le leftovers. I hadn't wore that in all this time, or I can't fit it in that, and I don't plan on losing weight to fit in it, or, 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 or whatever. I, ha I don't have no use of this, and so since I don't have nothing to do with it, I'll put it to the Goodwill. And that's what we do with God. Well, I don't really, I ain't got nothing to do, so now, so I'll go on and do something for God. Well, I got this leftover energy, so I'll go on and do for God. Hey, listen, listen, listen. We ought to give God our best. We ought to give God our all. And that looks different for all of us because our gifts are different. And the areas to use our gifts are different. And so, spiritual life, spiritual growth, spiritual service, spiritual fellowship, are ought to be primary in our lives. Acts 2 and 42 said this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, breaking the bread and prayers. See, these early century Christians grew by being fully engaged in the local church life and service. Fully engaged. Fully engaged. Not letting it take a back seat to nothing. I'm telling you, I'm so local church. I'm I mean this with all my heart. If the church was to call a, 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 a rooster fight, I think you ought to be there. And if you've got a rooster, bring it to fight. Amen? I mean, I just think we ought to be so local church. I'm telling you, friend. I thank God for a mama that raised me that way. 
I grew up in the I grew up in the la, the last days of this. We're like the, the the last days of this, but we didn't practice on Wednesdays. We didn't play ball on Sunday. And if we ever had practice on Wednesday, I, and listen, it was no question. Mama said, "I'll be there at five thirty. She said this. I remember this. I was in fifth grade. I was on the all star team. They wanted to practice on the Wednesday. She said, "You'll go, but at five thirty, I'm not going to honk my horn." She said, "I'm going to flash my lights three times." She said, and when I flash my lights three times, you best be heading to my vehicle. And guess what I did when she flashed them lights three times? I headed up my little chubby tail to her vehicle. And in the back of that little Dodge Caravan, she had my church clothes hanging down. And she had a, 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 a rag that was probably warm when she left the house, but it was ice cold by the time she got to me. And she said, you get back in that trunk, boy. And you get wiped off and get changed in your church clothes. Thank God. I'll tell you what that done for me. I went to college. I went to high, and when I went to high school. I, I, we, we went to church 45 minutes away from my high school. And uh, on Wednesdays, we would have Bible study at 7.30 in the morning. And the coach said, we're going to have Bible study for some of it because you might not make it to church on Wednesday night. Mama said, well, we'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go to the Bible study at 7.30 in the morning. And you're going to take you a shower in that locker room. And you best be at church. So guess what I did? I went to Bible study at 7.30 in the morning before school started. And then after ball practice, I hopped my little happy tail in that shower. I got me a shower and I put it my way 45 minutes up the road to church. I walked in the door about 7.30 at night because we started at 7.30 there. And I went to church on Wednesday night. So that ruined you, did I said it ruined me so bad when I got to college and was playing college football. I went to my college football coach first week of practice. I said, Coach Jones, got told you about something. I, I, he said, yes, sir. I said, I'll tell you. I said, these guys, they get out of practice when they have like labs and stuff, right? He said, yeah. He said, yeah, they get excused from practice if they have labs at night and stuff like that. I said, well, you think I can get an excuse from practice going to church on Wednesday night? I said, I figure that's a whole lot more important than labs, and, you, and it's supposed to be a Christian college, and, and you're supposed to be a Christian. I figure that'd be all right, won't it? So guess what I did in college? When I played college ball, I left on Wednesday night to get to church. I'm not trying to pin no roads on me. I'm saying that's what God put, that's what my mama put in me. But then it came to a place where mama put, God put that in me. Local church. And watch this. I had never heard no preaching on it. I haven't ever heard that. Hey, listen, we ought to be about edifying the body of Christ and being a part of the body of Christ. Here's, here's, what, here's, here's, here's what I'm saying. When we discover our gift that God has given us and we get active in serving God with that gift, Spiritual growth is going to accelerate in our lives. The people who grow the fastest I have seen in my short term of ministry has been those that get in the ministry. Those that just thought, just head on into it and just do it. So real quick, let's look at these descriptions real quick in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 6. He said this, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy... Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now, I'm just going to give a brief description of these. We'll come back later and deal with them in more detail. But first of all, prophecy. When we hear prophecy, we automatically are thinking of foretelling. And, for, and, and you may know, because you've heard preaching and teaching, on foretelling. You think prophecy, we think what's coming before. In the, before the Bible is complete, 
These men were preaching things that were not written down necessarily. They were saying, thus saith the Lord, and telling what was going to happen coming, like the prophecies of the Lord coming the first time. The prophecy of how he would die. The prophecy of how he would raise from the dead. Being prophecies about things that still have not happened yet. Prophecies of the rapture of the church and prophecies of the tribulation, the prophecies of the, uh, the great white throne judgment and uh, the Bema seat judgment, the, uh, the prophecies of what heaven is going to be like, things like that. And so they were, they were prophesying these things. They were predicting future events based on God's revelation to that prophet. And then forth, that's foretelling. But then foretelling is just preaching what God's word says to others. Now watch this. When we preach the Word of God, we are both foretelling and forthtelling. You say, I don't know about that. I'm foretelling what God said, and many times when I preach the Word of God, I'm forthtelling and foretelling what's going to happen. For instance, when I talk to someone that's lost, I preach to them out of the Word of God, what's going to happen if they reject Christ, it is foretelling that they will spend eternity in hell if they do not receive Christ. Now, I'm not foretelling about some vision I had. I'm not foretelling about some uh, special revelation I have. I am foretelling out of the Word of God. This is what the Bible says will happen, and we believe that it is going to happen because the Word of God said it. And so prophecy is the ministry and the gift of preaching the Word of God. It is the spiritual gift of preaching His Word. And obviously pastors and evangelists would have that. Missionaries would have the preaching gift of preaching the Word of God. And then, and then of course, I don't have time to know what deal it is, but then how they use that preaching gift is different for each one. So preaching the Word of God, prophecy. Some of you may have the gift of prophecy. Somebody, somebody have the gift of preaching in this room. And you don't know that yet, or maybe you do know that, and you just need to, you need to discover that, and you need to develop that gift of preaching the Word of God. Then we're moving on, because I'm giving a brief description now, number, verse number 7. It says, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Some would call this uh, the spiritual gift, some would call this the gift of helps. Sometimes you'd hear, see it written like that. Uh, of course, the Bible says ministry. That same word for ministry right there is the same word we get our word in the Bible for deacon. It's that serving. That's that helps. It is a desire to help and to serve people in a lot of different ways. A lot of times a person with this gift would volunteer for services that are not glamorous. Uh, this would be people who would, uh, 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 would, would, would be willing to do the unappreciated jobs. Uh, this person has a gift and they love serving and helping make the vision a reality. They see the vision of the leadership. They see the vision of the church and they want to do their part to get that vision accomplished whether they get noticed for it or not. They're not looking for recognition the first deacons in Acts chapter number 6, they exercised the gift of ministry. What did they do? They cared for the widows so the apostles could give themselves to the ministry of prayer and work, the ministry of the word and prayer. They were behind the scenes, but their behind the scene work 
in the helps, in the ministry was significant. So much so the Bible says when they did their part behind the scenes, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multitude in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. I'm telling you, if you've got the ministry, if you've got the gift of ministry, the gift of helps, when you are behind the scenes serving, nobody may ever see it. Nobody ever may never recognize it. Nobody may, nobody may get you a thank you card or a plaque on the wall or anything like that. Nobody may ever name a building or a sidewalk after you. Oh, but you do the work God's called you to do. And with the gift God's called you to do, the word of God will be increased. People will be saved and lives will be changed. Don't underestimate the importance of spiritual, the spiritual gift of ministry. Do you have a passion to serve behind the scenes? Just be faithful. Just be diligent. Know that your service is vital. And if you see other people serving in a role that is not behind the scenes, don't complain, don't compare, and don't criticize. You thank God he's given you a gift to serve in, and you thank God they're serving in the gift God's called them to serve in. Ministry. Then look, verse number 7 says, Or he that teacheth on teaching. This is the ability and the desire to teach the Word of God, to take God's Word and help people understand how their Word applies to their life. This reminds me of Nehemiah chapter 8. In Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra is out and he's reading the Word of God. But then there was a group of men that went out into the crowd and they made, the, made sense of the Word. They had, I, I like saying that, that was Ezra was the preacher, the pastor, and then he had Sunday school teachers go throughout the congregation. And he had, and he had, had Sunday school, some people don't like this word. He had, they had small groups of people. I don't know a better word to say it. But they had small groups of people. And they taught the word of God. They made the word of God understandable. And they made it applicable to their life. These Christians, the Christian that has the gift of teaching, they want to dig into the word of God. They want to know, what does that word mean? I want to dig a little bit deeper. And, and, and then not just to dig deep, but then to make it understandable to all that listen to them. I know some people that dig deep, but when they bring it out, I have no idea what they're talking about. Y'all been there? You ever heard preaching or teaching? And you think, man, that sounded really smart, but I ain't got a clue what they're talking about. I mean, there's I, been many times where I've scratched my head. And I, I've walked out of preacher's meeting sometime. They said, man, that was an awesome message. I was like, probably was. I don't know, because I didn't understand what he was talking about. And so teaching is not just digging deep, it's pulling it out so people understand it. And so you'll find these people teaching in the Sunday school class or other teaching ministries in the church, teaching people, and it might not be in a class, it might be one-on-one, -on -one, teaching people, Bible studies and things like that. And so what, but this ministry, just because you have the gift, doesn't mean you can't, you, 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 you're just, you can just do it. You've got to diligently study. You've got to make sure you have sound interpretation of the Scripture. There are some people that may have a gift of, of saying something, but they ain't got nothing to say because they ain't studied the Scriptures. And so as when you, if you have the ministry of teaching or if you have the gift of teaching, you've got to do your diligence in study of the Word of God and make sure you understand what the Scripture is saying before you can give it to someone else. There's been times, and of course... Uh, Brindley has the joy of getting me to teach her math class. And there's been times where in our math classes, whether it be hers or another one's, they'll say, why do we do it that way? 
And because I have been doing it for so long, I've been teaching it for so long, I've, not just because I have a college degree, that ain't got nothing, you can buy them online, okay? But because I have studied it, and because I have dug and dug and dug, I'll answer sometimes. I could tell you, but it probably wouldn't help you do it. Because I, I know why. I got all the background. <laughs> I, got, I could give you this big long proof that'll fill up the whole bull whiteboard, but at the end of the day, all it's going to do is confuse you, so let's just worry about how to do it. Now, so to teach it, though, I got to understand what I'm doing before, before, before I teach it. I can't just be reading the Bible and say, oh, well, I wonder what this means. I figure out what this means while I'm preaching it to you, while I'm teaching it to you. Oh, before I come teach it. You, I, I heard this statement in the teacher's clinic one time. You may learn it the day before you teach it, but you need to learn it before you teach it. Amen. And so if you've got the gift of teaching, there is work involved. If you've got the gift of ministry, there's work involved. The gift of preaching, there's work involved. Then it goes on, verse number 8, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Exhortation. I feel like if there's any gift I lack in, it's this one. Exhortation. Here it is. It's the ability and desire. I have the desire to do it. I don't have the ability to do it, to encourage others in the Christian life. What I mean by that, I feel like sometimes I don't know the right words to encourage. I have a good way of discouragement. I have the ministry of discouragement sometimes. I do not mean to. Some of y'all, though, I mean, y'all see everything positive. And there's some in this room, you see everything negative. I mean, I'm telling you, you're a glass, not half empty. You're a glass like all the way, drip, drop, empty. Negative kind of people. And there's some of you, it could be drip, drop, empty. You think, well, at least there's a drop. I mean, you know. Y'all just positive about everything, you know, and, and encouraging me. And, and, and thank God that you are. Thank God you got that gift. Here it is. These people like to lift people up. They want to see people. They, they give positive words and positive action. They want to see people happy. They want to see people, that, and they're concerned about people. They're concerned about their heart. And listen, these, these people with the ministry of exhortation are not just doing an outward performance. They, 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 are, they are just, they're really concerned about people. Somebody said it like this, they're like the fire pokers, the fireplace pokers in the church. They like to stir the embers a little bit. They want to get people fired up, and I don't mean getting mad. I mean, they're just trying to stir it up to get, get happy, get encouraged. It's that, that, that kind of the pep rally, the cheerleader in the bunch. And they motivate people to love God they motivate people to, uh, to serve God. Exhortation. We're running right along. Then verse 8 says, He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. This is the ability and desire to give to God's work and God's people. And, and, and this, this gift is accompanied by the provision to give, but it's the kind of people that are just generous by nature. They love to give to God's work. We see that with these kids when we, when we bring in this money and change in dollar bills. They right now have it because it ain't theirs to give. But there are some that have that gift and that, that just love to give to others. You've heard the saying before, somebody will give the shirt off their back. That kind of person. You know people like that. Now I've heard that said about people that I thought, well, you ain't never really talked to them much because they, they, they're not really. But there are some people that are really that generous. They are generous by nature. Romans 12, 8 says this, though, that this giving should be done with simplicity. Here's what it means. It's free from pretense. It means there's no strings attached. It means this. I'm giving to the work of the Lord to be used as the, as the church sees fit, not as I say so. Just in the church this week, and I'm not being ugly about it, but they had this box on the front. 
where they take up their offering. And it had pastor and church and missions and youth and benevolence and every little part of the box was a different thing you could give to. And when they give offering, they walk up to that box with their money in their hand and they choose where they want their money to go. They choose where, who they want to give it to, what they want to give it to and stuff like that. That's not New Testament giving. That's not New Testament giving. There's no strings attached. We're giving this to the work of the Lord. We're giving this to, to the work that God's called it to be. We're not saying, hey, I'm going to give a bunch of money if you'll name a building after me. Or, oh, name, we'll, we'll give a bunch of money if you'll, if you'll do this or that. No, no, no. This giving is with simplicity. Here it is. The person with this gift has a delight in giving to meet the needs of others and to further the work of God. It's all about the edification of the body of Christ and the glory of God. They are giving to the work of God. Now, now I say this, and I, I, I'm not going to say this about every one of them, but it's true about everyone. Just because some people have that gift doesn't mean everybody ought not give, right? Some people have the gift. Hey, just because you might not have the gift of exhortation, you ought to try to be encouraging, right? Uh, and so just because you may not have the gift of ministry doesn't mean you ought to sit and watch somebody else. Oh, I just thought so. You ought not watch somebody else serve and not help them. If anything lights my fire, lights my fire, especially with young people, the young people to sit around and watch old people sweep and mop in the fellowship hall. I'm about to pastor for a minute. God help these young people not to learn how to take out the trash, sweep a floor, wipe a table. God, thank the Lord for our senior saints. Thank the Lord for some of our old folks doing that kind of stuff. But God help these young people. I'm just going to say it like I want to say it. You get mad if you want to. I don't really care. Y'all playing tag and hide and go seek down around the church and not helping up there. That is wicked and out of hell. I just thought I'd say that. Throw that in here. All right? You ain't got to like it. I didn't ask you. I'm not voting on that. All right? So where we at? Ruling. Oh, what I was saying was, some of y'all young people, y'all either don't have the gift of ministry or you need to develop it. And just because you, and you may not have the gift of it, but you ought to be doing it. God help. Okay, I'm not preaching on that, but we're here. Uh, oh, ruleth, verse 8. He that ruleth with diligence. What's that word ruling? It means administrating. Well, we don't like that kind of word. I know it's funny. We're like, we're King James only, but don't talk about servants and masters. But that's King. Don't talk about ruling. That's, 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 so, that's so taboo, you know. Oh, it's, no, it's King James. Here, here's what we would say. Administration. A person who rules well is a person who's leading, who is administrating God's work. He's got ability or she might have, because a lady could even have abilities to organize things, have ability to strategize to, to do the logistics of the ministry, to implement the plan, to coordinate teams of people to work together. Uh, it's, those, it's the Christians who, who want to see things go in order, to make things happen for God's work, not to, to stifle God's work, but to organize it to make God's work go on. Um, I, but, so we have the ministry of administration, the gift of administration. Then it says in that same verse, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Mercy. That's the God-given gift to feel the pain of others and helping them with trial, through trials. The gift of mercy is those people that are just good at sympathizing and empathizing 
with those carrying heavy burdens. They know what to say and when to say it, and they know when not to say something. They've got a good, we call it, they've got a good bedside manner. They know what to talk about, when to talk about it. These are the people that are good at hospital visits. They're good at ministering to those at the funeral home. They're good at ministering to just the people that are suffering in general. Now, does that mean that even if we don't have that gift, we ought not do that? No, it just means some people are better at it. Some people are better at those kind of things. God has given each, and this is, just a, this is just real quick through these verses real quick, but God's giving every Christian at least one of these gifts. And there's other gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. There's other mentions in Ephesians 4. We've already talked about in another message. But these gifts, at least one of these gifts, he's desire, and he desires for you to use that gift in the local church. So what do you got to do? Well, discover your gift. Discover your gift. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be printing off and, and, and I'm going to be putting out on the table a, a spiritual gifts test. You can't fail this test, okay? I'm going to put it out there on the table for you if you'd like to go, if you'd like to fill it out about yourself. It's answering questions about yourself, and you can kind of see about different traits in your life, and at the end, you tally it up, and you kind of can see, if, if this is true about me, then I probably lean more heavy in this spiritual gift or something like that. So we're going to put that out later on in the, in the next week or so, but discover your spiritual gift. Identify where it is that God wants you to serve. Identify the gift God's given you to serve. Where is it that you're passionate about? Where is it that you're going to be effective? So... And again, I say this, uh, just because you don't have the gift of mercy doesn't mean you can't visit somebody in the hospital. Just because you don't have the, the, the spiritual gift of giving doesn't mean you can't give. But, but those with those particular spiritual gifts are going to find those areas, they come, they come more, more easily for them. So discover it. Then develop your spiritual gift. Just because you have that gift doesn't mean you've arrived in it. So there are, is development. Listen, some of you may realize that your spiritual gift is something that is intimidating for you. It's a spiritual gift for you, but it's not part of your comfort zone. And so what do you got to do? You got to develop, develop it. Especially, this is really, especially if, if your gift is something that puts you in front of people, like teaching or preaching or something. So what do you do? You embrace it. Let God lead you out of your comfort zone. And then you develop it. Ask God to help you. Do everything you can. Talk to me. Talk to some of these older uh, men and women in here that, 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 that they are spiritual. And, they're not, and that they, they can help you. How do I develop this spiritual gift? And then watch this. Use it. Use it. How do you get better at something? You do it. And watch this. You do it and mess up. And you get back up and do it again. You don't quit. You don't get up one time and make a blunder. Man, if, if we would have quit, preachers, if we would have quit the first time we blundered, we wouldn't be here tonight, right? And so, and so, so listen, just because you might mess up and, and it's your gift, but you mess up and you get back up and go at it again and get better at it. And, 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 and read and study and practice. Listen, raw abilities are not going to get it done. You've got to put the work in. So, so I'd say develop it, but deploy it. Get involved. Get involved in the church. Get involved in the work. Get involved in what God's got going here and add to what God's got going here. When everybody in the church uses their spiritual gift for the glory of God, the church is able to function 
as God intended. I'll leave you with this tonight and we're done. Imagine what it would look like throughout the week. From Sunday classes, discipleship, all the weekly activities, those with the gifts of teaching would be effectively communicating God's word to those soft hearts. Those with the gift of helps would be serving food and helping in classes. They'd be cleaning. They'd be taking care of the grounds. Those with the gift of prophecy, they'd be preaching God's word in the church, in nursing homes, in, in jail ministries, on street ministries. Those with the gift of mercy would be visiting the hospitals, would visiting homes, ministering to the sick and ministering to the suffering. Those with the gift of encouragement would be strengthening the weary. They'd be ministering to the homeless. They'd be uplifting the discouraged. Those with the gift of giving would be significantly investing in the work of God with all of their resources. And those with the gift of administration would bring order to the teams and the projects, making a strategy and an order to the vision and making that vision a reality. And in reality, in that scenario... Nobody's looking at everybody else saying, well, I wish I was doing what they're doing or look what they're doing. Or, Nobody's resenting one another. Nobody's complaining. Nobody's comparing. And nobody's criticizing. The hands not wishing it was a foot. The arms not trying to be the head. But the body is serving together in spirit-led harmony, spirit-led unity. And there is nothing like a healthy local church. Nothing like it. That kind of church is enjoyable to be a part of. And it's attractive to the outside. That world that's looking for love, that world that's looking for truth, they're not going to some discombobulated thing. But you find a church, no matter if they're on the backside of nowhere or not, they're working, serving, and where they're supposed to be serving, in unity and in humility and in health, God can use that. God has equipped you with some spiritual gift. So discover it, develop it, deploy it. Immerse yourself into the life of service. There is no greater life than serving the Lord. And 1 Timothy 4.14 says this, Neglect not the gift. That is in thee. Neglect not the gift that is in you. And listen to me. This message and this series of messages is not just for our young people. It is for you young folk. For our kids, for our teens, for our young adults. But I tell you what, it's for everybody in this room. If you ain't in the grave yet, God's got a purpose for you. And you, you may have wasted your entire life before now. Why don't you do like Caleb and say, Lord, won't you be Lord of what's left? We don't have nobody 85 in here tonight. Nobody in here is 85 yet. Caleb was 85. He said, Lord, you just be Lord of what's left. I'll serve you the rest of my days. And so if everybody in here is 85 and younger, then I guess we can do the same thing, can't we? Lord, be Lord of what's left. And whatever my spiritual gift is, may not have ever used it in your life. God lets you see what it is. Start using it now. Start using it now. I'll give you an opportunity tonight real quickly. Maybe. Maybe to respond, to reflect, to think about these things. Think on these things tonight. What is it the Lord has gifted you to do?
spiritual gift do you have? And maybe, maybe you know what it is and it's been dormant for a long time. Don't you resurrect, don't you let the Lord resurrect that in your heart. Start serving him again. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't don't end your life. Don't live the rest of your life washed up. But get involved in serving the Lord.